Well, good morning, Destiny Church. Thanks for welcoming us into your home today as we've worshiped God and we're getting ready to receive the word today. I do wanna say happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. I know that this is a crazy season for you right now, but you have stepped up to the plate and you are doing what moms do best and you are loving your family and serving your families in the midst of this crazy time. And I know that God is honoring you for that and we wanna honor you for that as well. I wanna honor my grandma, Josie Hale, that's still alive. I love you, grandma. And my mother-in-law, Angie Pittman, love you too, Angie. And Heather's grandma, Omi. Uh, just where would we be without these mothers and these grandmothers in our lives? You know, as, as far back as I can trace my family tree, all the moms and grandmas have served the Lord. And I know that I am who I am today in large part because of the faithfulness and the prayers of them. And so I wanna say happy Mother's Day to all the moms. We love you, we cherish you, and this is your day. So if you need to just take the day off a little bit, you have my permission to do so. Now this week I found out something incredible, something very cool. I found out that this week there's a church in Fredericksburg that has been streaming our services during the quarantine. And so I wanna say welcome to everyone from Greater Life Christian Center that has been streaming us through these last, I don't know, eight weeks, nine weeks of the quarantine. So glad that you're joining us on our live stream and Pastor Justin and Mitzi Dulgener. We love you guys and thanks for joining us for our live stream today. Now, if you would, open with me, grab your Bible, open with me to Acts chapter six today. This is where we are going to start. We're gonna start in Acts chapter six and we're going to get into Acts chapter seven. If you don't have your Bible, run and get it quickly. We're gonna cover all of Acts chapter seven. Last week I asked you to read through Acts chapter seven because we're not gonna have time to go through it verse by verse, but I'm gonna summarize it for you. And God has given me a word for you today. God's given me a word that's going to encourage you, that's gonna strengthen you, that's gonna build you up in your faith, that's gonna help you to overcome life's challenges and obstacles and whatever the devil throws at you. I believe God's gonna cause you to rise up and to overcome. And so this message is for you today to help you, to strengthen you and to encourage you. And I'm, what we're gonna do is we're gonna jump right into the passage today because we do have a lot to cover and I'm very excited to give it to you this morning. But before we do, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are a God who speaks to us. Lord, that your voice is never silent because whenever we want to hear from you, all we need to do is open your word and you speak directly to our hearts. Lord, as we read your word today, as we study your word today, Lord, as I preach your word today, Lord, what we want most of all is for you to speak to us, your people. God, these are incredible times in which we are living, but thankfully we serve an incredible God, thank you for speaking to us today through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, where we left off in Acts chapter 6, we saw that there were some new leaders and servants appointed in the church. They called them deacons. And one of those servants, it says his name was Stephen. And we saw that he was a man full of faith 
and of the Holy Spirit. And after that they had appointed these servants to work in the feeding ministry, it says the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And now this is where we're going to pick up the story in Acts chapter 6 and verse 8. It says, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Stephen was only a servant. He was only a deacon. He's, he's not an apostle. He doesn't have some prestigious title. Yet here we see that he is doing the works of Jesus. He's feeding people. He's serving people. He's doing signs and wonders that, that through Stephen, God is healing and touching people. And Stephen is just a picture of, of what our lives, I do believe our lives can look like if we will submit our lives to God and to the influence of his spirit. And it goes on to say that some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedman, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians and of those from Cilicia and Asia, they rose up and they disputed with Stephen, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And we know that these are false witnesses. They're, they've been brought in to lie against Stephen because he, they can't win him. They can't beat him with the truth because he's the one who's speaking the truth. The truth is on his side. And so they come and they try to destroy Stephen with lies. But it says, and they, as they were gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. And now as we move into chapter 7, the high priest said, are these things so? Stephen, is this true? Can you guess what Stephen does at this point? If you've been tracking with us through the book of Acts, this should be no surprise to you. Stephen stands up and he preaches the word of God. The, the, the early church, the apostles, they never miss an opportunity to preach the word, to preach the gospel, to witness for Christ. This is what God had called them to do, and they faithfully walk in it. And Stephen's sermon is powerful, it's sharp, it's convicting, it's bold, and I wish that I had time to go through all 50 verses of it this morning, but I don't, so I'm going to summarize it for you. The theme of Stephen's sermon is the first point for us this morning. And I have four points that I'm going to share with you today. But the theme of his sermon is our first point today. And it's actually a point that we've seen over and over in the book of Acts. And it is simply this. When God's kingdom expands, opposition arises. 
When the kingdom of God expands, when the kingdom of God grows, when the kingdom of God advances, when the church moves forward, darkness pushes back. And the, the theme of Stephen's sermon and what Stephen is going to do is he's going to take this Jewish council that knows the word of God very well and, and they know the Old Testament very well. And Stephen is going to show them from their own history how those who remain faithful to God are opposed by the devil. Those who live faithfully for God are opposed by the devil. And he starts with Abraham and explains how Abraham lived faithfully for God, but he was opposed by the devil. And he talks about Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and how Joseph lived faithfully for God, but he was opposed by the devil. But what the devil meant for evil, God worked for Joseph's good. He's going to talk about how Israel was enslaved in Egypt and how they were opposed by the devil, but that God delivered them from every snare of the enemy. From the children of Israel, he begins to talk about Moses and how Moses lived faithfully for God, but that Moses was opposed by the devil. From Moses, he begins to talk about the different prophets that came to God's people throughout the ages and how every one of them was persecuted for remaining faithful to God. And we've seen this theme over and over and over and over and over again in the book of Acts as the, the apostles have been thrown in jail, how they've been beaten, how they've been mocked, how they've been threatened, how division has tried to creep up within their midst of, of people who wanted to, to use the, what God was doing for their own glory. We've seen the devil try to do his work, yet in all of these things, the devil has failed every time. God turns it around every single time. And this story of the history of the Jewish people from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, the children of Israel, Moses, down to the prophets, it culminates with the ultimate prophet, the Lord Jesus Christ. All of this history culminates in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Stephen calls them out for their crucifixion of Jesus. He says, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and in ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so did you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered, and who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Stephen preached faithfully, boldly, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when he does this, it produces an effect in the people who listened. It says in verse 54, Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And Stephen said, Behold, I see the heavens opened 
and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice, and they stopped their ears, and they rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city, and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, this is mob execution, this is mob violence, this is lawlessness, this is murder. As they begin to take these huge rocks and begin to pummel his head and his chest until he is dead. As they are stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Chapter 8, verse 2 says that devout men of the church buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. When God's kingdom advances, opposition arises. This is why it tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8 to be alert, to be of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Listen, there is a real enemy out there. There's an enemy of your soul and he is looking for an opportunity. He is looking for a way to attack you. There is a real enemy. There is a real adversary. This is not games. This is life and death. When the kingdom advances, opposition arises. The second point I want to share with you is that to be used by God, you don't need a fancy title. You just need a servant's heart. The sermon that Stephen preaches is powerful. It cuts them to the heart. It exposes their hypocrisy. This is where it says that the word of God is sharp as a two-edged sword. It divides between truth and error, between lies and the truth. It, 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 it separates what is real from what is false, and it cuts to the heart of these men. But Stephen is not an apostle. Stephen doesn't have some big title. He's simply a saint who is filled with the Spirit of God, like you. You see, the word deacon, we, we hear that, and oh, Stephen was a deacon. Wow, that, that's impressive. The word deacon is simply the Greek word for the word servant. All deacon means is servant. And so when they appointed seven deacons, they appointed seven servants that would take over this feeding ministry. We see that in nearly all of Paul's letters, he refers to himself and he refers to others as a bondservant of Jesus Christ, as a slave, a bondservant, a servant of Christ. It's not about the title. It's about a servant's heart. You know, a lot of times people think in the church, oh, if I don't have the title, then I can't be used in ministry. Listen, that's a lie of the enemy. 
You know what Stephen's title was? Servant. Can you be a servant? Then you can be used by God. This is the heart of Jesus. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve and to lay down my life as a ransom for many. Let me ask you today, do you have a servant's heart? Are you willing to be a servant? Are you willing to love others and, and serve others and, and humble yourself and take on things that maybe you feel are a little bit beneath you, but you're willing to do it to serve others in the name of Christ? Listen, to be used by God in a powerful way to make an impact for eternity. You know what you need more than anything else. You need to have a servant's heart. Are you willing to humble yourself? Are you willing to serve others? Are you willing to go without recognition? Are you willing to go without a pat on the back? Are you willing to have your service only seen by God? Listen, it's that kind of heart that impacts eternity. It's that kind of vessel that God can use and use in a powerful and a mighty and a glorious way. The vessel that's worried about themselves and worried about their own name and worried about their own position and their own prominence. Where do we see that? Well, it's in actually the people that are opposing Stephen. It's the heart of Satan. Do you have a servant's heart today? Pray today. Ask God to give you a servant's heart and God will use you to impact eternity. The third thing I want us to see today that we need desperately to see today is that God is not absent on the dark days. God is not absent on the dark days. This was definitely a dark day in the life of the church. Stephen went out to perform his ministry to serve widows, to feed and take care of the poor, he was on his daily route when some people began to argue with him about Jesus and the resurrection and they brought false witnesses and they seized him. They came upon him suddenly. They hauled him in front of the council. What began like any other normal day suddenly, quickly turned into a very difficult and dark day in the life of this church. It says that the brothers buried him and that they made a great lamentation over him. That means they wept bitterly over him. You see, Stephen was, he had so much promise. He, he had so much potential. He had such a bright future, the way God was using him. And then all of a sudden, he snatched away. All of a sudden, his life is over. And if we lived through these events, we would emerge sad, confused, worried, fearful, full of questions without answers. We, we may even be tempted to wonder if God had failed us. This was undoubtedly a dark day for this church. But here's what I want you to see. Here's what you need to see. On this dark day, God is right there. On this dark day, 
As Stephen looks up, he sees Jesus looking down. The heavens opened. Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And this is significant. In every other passage in the scriptures that we read about Jesus at the right hand of the Father, what does it say about him? It tells us that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Yet at this time, on this occasion, in this moment, as the blood of the first martyr is about to be spilled, Jesus is not sitting down. Jesus is standing up. And there's lots of different ideas and speculation about why that could be. But I believe that the reason Jesus is standing is because, as Jesus said in John 14, 3, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. That as Stephen bore faithful witness to Christ and was about to pay the ultimate price as he was the first martyr for his witness to the resurrection, that Jesus stood to his feet as he prepared to welcome Stephen to heaven and to his eternal reward. You see, Jesus stood to wrap his arms around Stephen. And the truth is that all of us will have dark days. All of us, none of us is immune, none of us is exempt from dark from difficult, from days that we wish we did not have to live through. Life in the broken world is full of days like this. But I want you to know, dear saint, that it's not because God is absent. It's not because God has forgotten you. It's not because God is not there. What this passage shows us and shows us so clearly is that Jesus is with us even on the darkest of days. You may be going through the darkest time of your life right now. I don't know, but God knows. I don't see it, but God sees it. And what we see over and over and over and over again in the Bible and in the life of Jesus is that Jesus is moved with compassion. When Jesus sees hurting people, when Jesus sees broken hearts, it moves his heart. In John chapter 11, there's this incredible story of Jesus. One of his closest friends gets sick and dies. His name is Lazarus. And as Jesus goes to raise Lazarus from the dead, that's why he goes to visit Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, they're weeping. But Jesus stops on his way to the tomb where he is going to go and raise Lazarus from the dead. Jesus stops in John eleven thirty-five, 35, the shortest verse in all the Bible. It simply says that Jesus wept. Jesus is going to raise Lazarus. Why does he stop to weep with Mary and Martha? Because when he sees their tears and their broken hearts, he is moved by their emotions. He is moved by their burden. You see, Jesus doesn't just hop over the pain. 
He doesn't just say, come on, don't feel it. Just, just pretend it doesn't exist. I'm going to work all things together for good. Come on, let's go raise Lazarus from the dead. No, he stops and he enters into the pain with them. Jesus comes from heaven to earth, God in the flesh, tempted in all points as we are yet without sin. He knows what it is to suffer. He knows what it is to be betrayed. He knows what it is to be all alone and to feel forsaken because even on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus knows what you're feeling right now. He enters into the pain, he enters into the grief, he enters into the confusion, and he shares in it with us, even though he knows he's going to work it all out in the end. God is not far from you today. He is right there with you. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. He is God with us in the good, and he is God with us in the bad. Call out to him, cry out to him, share the burdens of your heart with him, give those things to him, cast all of your cares, all of your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. Jesus said, come to me all who are burdened and heavy laden and I will give you rest. In Isaiah chapter 42 verse 3, speaking of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah says prophetically about him that he will, a bruised reed, he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench, that he will faithfully bring forth justice. What does that mean? It means you can feel like your fire is about to go out right now, and all you've got is the smallest, tiniest little ember of faith, and you can sometimes feel ashamed because of your lack of faith. You can sometimes feel like, man, I, I, should, be, I should be stronger than this. I, I should be overcoming more than this, and, and you can let the enemy beat you down, but Listen, if you will go to Christ, he's not going to turn you away. He's not going to chastise you because you're, you've only got just the tiniest little spark of faith left. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering flax, a, a little tiny wick he's not going to snuff out. Come to me, he says, all who are burdened, all who are oppressed, and I will give you rest. Cast your cares upon me, he says, because I care for you. Go to Jesus today. He is not absent. He is right there with you. Not only is God with us on the good days, he's also with us on the bad days. Not only is he Emmanuel on the mountaintop, he is Emmanuel with us in the valley. And this brings us to our fourth point today in closing. And that is simply, the story is not over. This story is not over. God uses one of the darkest days in the life of the church to plant the seed of salvation in the heart of the greatest missionary to ever live. As Stephen dies who is there? Saul of Tarsus. The blood that Stephen spilt become the seeds of salvation in the hearts of Saul, the heart of Saul. 
And it's just another example of God taking what Satan means for evil and working it for good. And you have to know that the hard days, the difficult days, the dark days, they are not outside of God's plan. They are part of God's plan. Why does God do this? Why does God work this way? Because in this, God receives the glory. In these times, as his light shines forth in the dark world, God is glorified. You see, this story is not about a young man named Stephen. The story is about God working through Stephen. It's not about Stephen's power. It's about God's power. It's not about Stephen's strength. It's about God's strength. It's not about Stephen's wisdom. It's about God's wisdom manifesting through Stephen. It's not, wow, Stephen, what a great guy. It's, wow, Jesus, what a great God. And what you need to know is that just like it's not about Stephen, it's also not about you. It's about God working through you and through your life. And that his power is made perfect in weakness. And what we see all throughout church history is that yes, the kingdom advances and opposition arises, but God's people rise up in the power of the Spirit to overcome every obstacle, to overcome every tribulation, to flourish in the face of opposition and persecution, and that even in the darkest days that God's light shines forth the brightest. And if you will submit your life to God and take on the heart of a servant, God will shine his light through you like you could never imagine. And just like Stephen's face is shining like that of an angel, you will shine for the glory of God. It's not Stephen's face that's shining. It's the glory of God that is on him. But we got to realize it's not about us. It's about him. It's not about our story, it's about his story and his glory. There's this thought, there's this idea going around that Jesus came to give us the good life. That Jesus came to give us health and wealth and happiness and pleasure and material possessions and all we need to do is have enough faith and we can have the good life, the American dream through faith. The story of the apostles, the story of the early church, the story of the deacons, the story of the first martyr Stephen points out so very clearly that the health and wealth prosperity gospel is a false gospel. It is not true. Jesus did not come to give you health and wealth. Jesus came to save your soul and save you from your sins, that God would be glorified in your life. You see, the health and wealth movement would say that God failed Stephen, or that Stephen didn't have enough faith. Listen, God did not fail Stephen, and Stephen had faith on his knees crying out to God, God, receive my spirit. Lord Jesus, forgive them of their sins. This was the plan of God unfolding 
in the face of opposition. Listen, we will face hard times. We will face difficulty. It does not mean that God has failed. It does not mean that you have failed God. God did not fail Stephen. I don't believe that when Stephen got to heaven, he said, hey, what gives Jesus? I could have used a little bit of help there. No, I believe when Stephen got to heaven, he fell into the loving arms of Jesus. And that Jesus said, let me show you what your life will accomplish. Let me show you. You know that guy that was collecting all the coats for everybody? Yeah, your words are going to be ringing in his ears. He's never going to be able to forget this day. And for the rest of his life, I'm going to use him as my chosen vessel to take my word to the Gentiles, to write the New Testament. I believe that God showed Stephen what his suffering accomplished for the kingdom of God. And I believe that when we get to heaven too, God will show us what our pain, what our suffering, that we have suffered for him, how it has accomplished something for the kingdom of God more than we could ever even think or imagine. Listen, it's not about us. It's not about the good life. It's about Jesus Christ and the glory of God. And if you can get that in your heart, if you can get that in your spirit, there is no limit to what God can do for you, no limit to what God can do through you and how your life will impact eternity as he shines forth his glory. God did not fail Stephen and God most certainly will not fail you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you how it teaches us, how it instructs us, how it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, your word is a sword. It separates truth from error. Lord, show us and, and brand it upon our hearts so clearly that our story is not about us, that it is about you. That we are not living for our own glory, but that we are living for the glory of God. Lord, that we are not uh, to take the position of king. That position is for you. Lord, we are to take the position of the humble servant. Whatever it is you ask of us, God, we say we surrender. We surrender to the call of God. And we ask that you would be glorified in our hearts and in our church. And we thank you that you take every single obstacle, every single plan of the enemy, and you turn it on its head, and that the story is not over, and that our story is still being written. And in the end, we are victorious through Jesus Christ. And we give you the praise, and we give you the honor, and we give you the glory today. In Jesus' name, amen.